This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company. Go to greenchef.com slash nomeat80 and use code nomeat80 to get $80 off plus free shipping. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C. and you're listening to Nomeat Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nomad Athlete Radio. I am Doug Hay, and I am joined with Izzy. Once again, welcome back to the Izzy podcast. <laughs> I mean, not the Izzy podcast, the Nomad Athlete Radio podcast. <laughs> well, it's the Izzy podcast today, I guess. But. Yeah, it's the Izzy podcast today. So if you don't know Izzy, Izzy is the founder of Plant Bites, which uh, we have talked about a lot on the, the podcast, which is Nomad Athlete's uh, solution to the whole food endurance fuel problem that uh you know the i mean you, you can talk about it better than i can but you know basically you you were having stomach issues you were having lots of issues and, and as your diet was getting cleaner and cleaner you didn't want to be putting in all the junk that comes in typical uh endurance fuel gummies and gels and stuff like that and uh, and whole foods can do exactly the same you know benefits have all the same benefits of this um manufactured concocted stuff in a lab um but it's in whole foods and uh, and you found a good way to to carry it you figured out how we can how we can carry it how we can keep it you know from going bad and all that kind of stuff and and really came up with something that i think has totally changed the game at least for myself um and uh and that's been really cool so we don't need to go into all of that but that is plant bites in a nutshell right yeah you hit it on the nail Excellent. The nail on the head. The nail on the head, whatever the saying is. I feel like those <laughs> sayings, there should be like a list of all the different types of sayings you can say that mean the same one. Because yeah, no yeah. one ever gets them right. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you, you came on and you talked to, you've, uh, how many episodes have you done? Two? or? I actually think we just did one at the beginning. Like It was a while ago. It was this summer. So Yeah, you kind of introduced yourself and, and your training background. Because you're, you're a... Um, what, a competitive triathlete, right? Yeah, I mean, not much competition lately, obviously. Sure. But um, yeah, I got really into it my late college and after college and ended up going to Worlds and getting pretty into it. And yeah, I just started really, I was a swimmer for a really long time. And then I switched to triathlon and it was my competitive outlet for a while. Um, But yeah, I'm still training a lot, but I'm not really... I don't have a race on the calendar, so the competition aspect is slowly winding down, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I I can relate to that for sure. Not that I was ever... I mean, I guess maybe maybe for like a very brief moment, I was would have considered myself a little bit competitive, but, um, but you know, just the whole training for races and, uh, and, you know, really focused on that type of race goal hasn't been essentially non-existent this year because most of them are canceled or, and it, you know, it just, it's hard for, I don't know, for some reason it's been, uh, a season of my life where, where competition and races hasn't been as appealing as just kind of getting out and, and running and enjoying myself. And, um, and so I haven't, I haven't had anything on the calendar and I don't actually have anything for next year either, although I'm sure I will at some point if, yeah. if things, if things yeah. begin to open back up. It's definitely kind of weird. I've I've tried to put some races on the calendar just to keep me motivated, but there were some things I tried to do this summer. Like I, I, you know, was doing races in my backyard or like signing up for some of the virtual things, but it's just, it's not the same. It's so hard. It ended up just kind of like 
falling off the calendar or whatever but yeah, yeah yeah i've kind of found i've tried to be a little more like okay i really just want to get in great shape to be able to like hike a mountain or whatever you know but yeah that's, it's definitely less motivating for sure <laughs> i did my biggest project this year was the you know the every single streets thing that um like ricky gates and and many others have done now but oh yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah every single street in san francisco so i did that in black mountain which of course is like you know a fraction of of san francisco yeah but it's about you know it's about like 200 miles um and uh and got really into it and then there's there's literally two roads two streets that i haven't covered one of them is just like along an interstate not not a high an interstate a, a highway that i just am dreading running because of a lot of traffic and no shoulder and yeah. that kind of thing um and uh and then there's this other one that i just need to drive to because it's kind of like out on the edge of town and i just haven't done it yet so like i put like all this energy into this thing and then I'm right there. I mean, literally like one, maybe two runs away from finishing it. And uh, and I just have kind of stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. So I don't hard. know what that's about. And you're like, okay, I haven't paid for it. So like, yeah, exactly. There's yeah, no... Exactly. And I mean, you just have a kid. So like, that's probably a little difficult. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. have a really good excuse. Whereas like, I don't have children. So I have less <laughs> excuses. Yeah. But um, yeah, I actually was recovering from a stress fracture that I got a year ago and I'm just now starting to like get back into the running thing and it is brutal I don't know if you've ever had an injury that's kind of sidelined you for a while but Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I'm just starting fresh like a new runner and it's it is a definite a definite knock to my confidence for sure yeah (laughs) that's kind of funny I um I was I I did my first like longer run in a while since since we've had our second kid and um and it was like a mountain run, you know, lots of vert and everything. And I was just, the whole time, I was just like huffing and puffing. And at one point, I was I was like trying to get up, you know, make my way up this trail. And I was like breathing so heavy. And, um, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have COVID. Like, that's the problem. And yeah, I was like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just really out of shape. <laughs> I know. You have to like judge. I just got back to Colorado from Boston. I kind of go back and forth. And um, I got back and for the first two weeks, you know, I'm like kind of ramping up my training right now. And and it's the altitude like it affects me so much now where I grew up yeah. here. So I didn't didn't really used to feel it. But now that I spend more time away when I come back, it is just absolutely brutal. Like I, I did this hike that I used to just run up. No problem. I was walking up it and I was just like. <laughs> I looked at my watch. It was like 175. My heart rate was, and I was like, "This is so brutal. <laughs> I must have COVID." But also, let's not forget that I'm just really out of shape. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <gasps> All right. Well, today we're gonna be talking about uh, training, actually, and um, and racing. I guess, and in four, and the premise is four common nutrition mistakes that endurance athletes make, uh, and how to uh, and how to prevent them from happening. How to solve that those those mistakes uh and this is something you actually started crafting for a blog post for nomad athlete that will be coming out um i guess as we're recording it it'll be coming out this week i'm not entirely sure when this episode is going to drop um but it will either way if you're listening to this it will be on the blog so you can go to nomadathlete.com slash blog (laughs) and check it out there um but as I was reading through the post, I was like, oh, this would make for a great episode because it's really, it really is four mistakes that a lot of people make. I've made plenty of times. I'm yeah, sure you've made too. them. Yep. Um, it's how I, and, how I know them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, so we can kind of dive into them a little bit. Um, so anything else to set it up before? I don't think so. I think let's get into it. All right. The first one is trying to lose weight while you're building a base. And this is, 
I think this is really a super common mistake because a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to train for a marathon. I'm going to lose all this weight. You know, I'm going to, you know, this is how I'm going to get fit is training for this race. Yeah. And oftentimes those two goals don't really work together. Right. So talk to me about, about why that's a mistake that you've seen. Yeah. So I think that decoupling exercise and weight loss is something that people really have a hard time wrapping their head around. Uh, I think in today's world, there's a lot of conversations just about like, oh, you know, if I'm working out, I can eat this and this justification of eating with working out. And there is some truth to that. Like, obviously, if you're burning more calories, like you're going to it's going to help you process your food. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to train like for a race, for a serious endurance event, there are a lot of things that people don't often think about um, that are more preventative measures for later in your training, especially for these endurance events. And this is this is specific to training for these things and not necessarily like going to the gym every day, you know, like there's a, there's a very big difference between the two. Um, and so the first thing I would say is that people just need to kind of practice decoupling those things, especially if they're going to train for an endurance event. And let's, let's take a marathon, for example. Um, when you're first starting that training, you're, you're getting your body adapted to stress. You know, like if you're, let's take me right now, I'm, I'm starting to run after not running for a year. So my body is going to take on a lot more stress than it has in the past year. Even though I've been biking, lifting weights, swimming, like I've been doing everything I can to stay in shape, but adding that running, running especially is really, really different on your body. You know, it's, it's a lot of extra inflammation and stress. And the bottom line is that weight loss also contributes to stress, regardless of if it's healthier for you to get in better shape. If you're overweight, if your doctor said you need to lose weight, or if you just, you know, want to lose a couple pounds, like I definitely think that that is a goal that if you want to achieve it, go for it but it is stressful for your body. Mm-hmm. So when you have the stress of beginning the training and then you add the stress of the weight loss, it kind of contradicts what your body is trying to do. And it oftentimes, if you don't have those extra calories or, you, or you're in weight loss or starvation mode, when you're moving to your second part of your training, when the training's really kicking up, you're hitting back-to-back sessions, you're adding strength, your body's going to deteriorate and you're probably not going to feel that good. And a lot of times it results in injury. Um, so that's kind of the base. We can talk more about that aspect. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think decoupling is, is exactly right. You know, because obviously exercise plays a role in weight loss, you know, because of like you were saying, because, you know, really weight loss is all about, um, you know, calories in versus calories out. And, but, you know, but, really weight loss is much more about what you're eating and the type of foods you're eating than how much you're burning because it's just you know unless you adjust your diet then chances are what you know you're never going to burn enough or you're never your body's never going to be able to handle that in order to like see significant weight loss Um, but you'll have a much quicker result if you just adjust the type of foods that you're eating Um, so you know really exercise isn't a great weight loss tool period Um, and, uh, you know, but I think that that's something that we've all, you know, that's, that's been ingrained in our minds from when we were little kids like, oh, you want to lose some weight, go run. You know, when you want to lose some weight, better work out, you better spend extra time in the gym. Um, and so when people think about, you know, running a marathon, running a half marathon, doing something that is longer than they've ever, they've ever done before and all the exercise they're going to do. Um, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to assume you're going to lose a lot of weight. And, you know, if you, if you're overweight or if you, you know, have a few extra pounds because you haven't been training at all, like 
there you might lose a little bit of weight. You might tone up. You might do things like that um, for sure. Uh, but um, but the you know the goal of weight loss is really counter to a goal of your performance goal right. when it comes to endurance. Yeah, running. and I've actually found that losing weight for a lot of people is easier if they're not training because yeah. nutrition is a really big part of training and you got to get it right. And I've made the mistake of trying to lose weight during a base training. I've, I've done it many times. Um, and I've learned from it, you know, like I've gotten those injuries because of it. And nutrition is really important and I've become really passionate about it. And these, all of this nutrition information that we're putting out with training is it's really it's kind of the pillars of how you're going to feel when you're training. And if you do want to lose weight, I would say lose the weight first and don't, don't make it harder on yourself by exercising two hours a day, because honestly, like (laughs) you're going to be way hungrier and it's going to be way harder for you to, you know, stick to whatever plan that you're on. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that's also something that's just really hard for people to understand. And, um, like you said, if you're training for a triathlon, a marathon, you might drop a couple pounds there. Actually, you probably will. Um, but it's not necessarily the the tool that people should use for that. Mm-hmm. And you might, you know, end up in, in a bad situation if you, if you do use it for that tool. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, you're going to be storing up those calories. And I often actually start training 10 pounds heavier than I race at. Because I usually drop those pounds in the second and third part of my training because I'm hitting so many sessions and my, it does have metabolic benefits at the end of the day. So I am going to be burning more, processing more food more easily, um, but I don't necessarily, you know, make huge nutrition shifts. So that's why I, I do end up losing weight, but it's never intentional. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm starting a base period of training. So I often will either try to gain weight or try to maintain whatever weight I've probably gained during the off season. Um, but yeah, that's also a point that, that, um, is really useful for people who are really trying to get that performance out of their training block. Yeah, absolutely. So, so during base training, you know, if you're not focused on like, we're not focused on weight loss, what should you be doing? Like, what are the, the steps you should be taking around nutrition? Yeah. So the base training, like I said, it's all about adapting your body to stress. And so likely you're going to be wanting to increase your caloric intake, but not by a ton. Uh, I think the other mistake that people make that I didn't mention is people make these drastic shifts, you know, Mm -hmm. like as soon as they start training, you know, they'll start hitting their protein shakes. They'll start, you know, like making sure they're eating extra snacks and getting your fat in and it's not necessarily about that. It's about these really subtle shifts that are going to contribute to your body's oxidative stress and adapt your body to the training. So in the base period, you're doing a lot of longer runs at maybe like a zone one or two heart rate, um, longer bike rides. You're, you're putting in the hours in, but it's not necessarily probably feeling like you're getting super hard workouts in. So I often just increase calories in general for each meal. So whether that's adding like some nut butter butter to my breakfast or adding a smoothie after a workout when I don't usually have a smoothie um, or putting a little bit more bulk to a salad than I usually have, it's it's really, really subtle and probably doesn't increase by more than two to 300 calories per day, but it's definitely more just to give my body a little bit more to burn through. Mm. 
other techniques for this is just to make sure you're maybe eating an extra something before a workout and making sure you're fueling those workouts, even if they are like three hours, a slow run. Often people, if it's like you know, 12, 13, 14 minute miles, they're not really used to doing something that low intensity. They'll skip the fuel altogether. But that's really important to still fuel your body and kind of give it the signal that you're not going to put it into starvation mode or that you're not going to run out of glycogen stores um, because later in that day, that's going to set you up for failure when you're trying to meet those nutrition goals throughout the day and throughout the week of training. Yep. Awesome. Love it. All right. Before we move on to the next mistake, let's take a second to thank our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company and lets you choose from easy to follow recipes, perfect for keto, paleo, and of course, plant-based diets. Go to greenchef.com slash nomeat80 and use code nomeat80 to get $80 off plus free shipping. Here's how it works. When your food box arrives, you will have all the pre-measured, perfectly portioned ingredients all prepared and ready to go. The recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions that take out all the guesswork. With Green Chef, it is easy to eat well and discover new recipes every single week that you will love to cook. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes recipes for your lifestyle that go way beyond ordinary substitutions. Let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep work for you week after week. And I gotta say, after trying out several Green Chef recipes now, I was I have been blown away. I was a little skeptical going into it. Green Chef is not a plant-based meal planning service, for example, but and so I was a little worried that their plant-based meals would not be the type of quality meals that that I would want from something like this, but they have blown me away. They are absolutely delicious. Their chefs are not just removing the animal protein and calling it a day. They are crafting delicious plant-based meals that are creative and exciting and were super fun to cook and took Katie and I out of our routine and out of our comfort zone uh, in in a way that was just wonderful. It was very delightful. So cannot recommend plant ba- or Green Chef's plant-based meals enough. Go to greenchef.com slash nomeat80 and use code nomeat80 to get $80 off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash nomeat80 and use code nomeat80 for $80, $80 off plus free shipping. All right, should we move on to the next mistake? Yeah, I think that that is a good segment because we just talked about <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, the second the second common mistake for endurance athletes is one that I know that I have um, fallen victim of many many times, uh, and it's one of my favorites to talk to people about when when they when you know when we're talking about nutrition and uh, especially during long rounds or races, uh, and that is taking in fuel too late. Yeah. So set this one up. Yeah. So I actually still do this. I I was actually, I was on a hike yesterday with my boyfriend and I was telling him I was going to do this podcast. Um, and he was like, oh, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, talk about fueling and the stuff that I've been working on with Nomi Athlete. And he was like, oh, so you're going to talk about all the things that you continually forget to do. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I mean, I never said I was the best person at doing it myself, but it's a good reminder because... This mistake, I think, is something that everyone, whether you're an elite athlete or whether you're a, someone just likes to work out, forgets to do, um, especially if it's coupled with weight loss. Like if people are trying to lose weight, they'll often do fasted workouts or, you know, wait to eat during them. Um, but I can tell you from experience and also just from watching people on my team fail because of this, like 
if you don't create a schedule around nutrition in your workouts, especially if it's over 90 minutes, you will overeat later in the day. Like a hundred percent. I, I used to, when I first started triathlon under fuel, I, I wasn't, re- I didn't really understand. I kind of like went on my two and a half, three hour bike rides and my runs. And I, I was pretty good at getting through them with little fuel. Um, not that I was necessarily trying to lose weight or anything like that. I just didn't really see the point and didn't have experience with that before, especially coming from swimming. Um, and so after the workout, I remember every time I just felt like so depleted, but I kind of thought that was how you were supposed to feel. And I think a lot of people have this experience, like when they get through their really, really long workouts, they're like, oh, like moving through the kitchen and just like so (laughs) dead. But that's actually not how you're supposed to feel. Like Mm -hmm. when I started fueling through my workout, I would get done with a workout and be like, okay, like, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm sore. Like my body hurts. But I actually feel okay. Like, I feel like I can go about my day. I can, like, get in the car and go to the grocery store. Or, like, I can cook a meal and I don't need to sleep on the couch for the next six hours. It's actually a really, really amazing difference. And so creating that schedule around nutrition, even if you feel like it's contradictory to what your body wants, is really important. Yep, yep. My favorite mantra in uh, when it comes to fueling is fuel early and often, especially during those long runs and races, you know, it's, it's way, for me anyway, I need to fuel way earlier than I actually think that I would, uh, during race. So, you know, I'm, I'm headed out for a, a six hour or I don't know, four hour run or something like that. You know, I probably don't really, my body's not going to say, Oh man, I'm really hungry or I'm not going to start bonking until two hours into it or something like that. Um, but I need to start fueling 30, 45 minutes into the run way earlier than I think I do. And, and, and that, takes a while to like kind of coach yourself to do right because it feels a little bit unnatural when you're just starting out and your body's just you know kind of getting moving to like already be taking in calories yeah but if you want to avoid that crash if you want to avoid that bonk and be able to kind of you know sustain good energy throughout the entire run and good power then then you have to be feeding yourself some calories and you have to be taking advantage of that or taking uh taking care of that um yeah and eating before i mean some people have a hard time eating during a workout and and I would, I would say my rule of thumb generally is if it's over 90 minutes, I will have a fueling protocol during the workout where I'm taking mm. in some quick fuel plant bites. Perfect example. I'm not going to, but <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's something like that, a date, a fig, a banana, um, something with really quick energy every 30 minutes, I will be taking that in if it's over 90 minutes, um, And if it's around the 90 minute mark, sometimes I can get away with not fueling during a workout, but I'll make sure I eat something beforehand. So if you're someone, you know, who, who can't necessarily take in fuel one, that's something that you need to adjust to and kind of find what works. But two, if at the beginning, if while you're getting used to it, whether it's, you know, having a piece of toast with nut butter in it an hour or two before, um, getting a smoothie in, it's just something. So your body has calories to burn throughout that workout is going to set you up for success for the rest of the day and week. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the theme for all these mistakes is like a lot of these mistakes are things that people make early on or in the moment that will set them up for failure later. Yeah. And then they they can't necessarily pinpoint that mistake. They're like, oh, like I'm feeling this way because I, pro- I didn't fuel during yesterday's workout properly. But that it really does have those impacts throughout the week and training block for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So do you have a do you have a like a 
target number of calories you're trying to take in throughout a workout? Yeah. So it depends for sure what I'm doing, whether I'm biking, whether I'm running, um, I, and, or, or if it's like a hiker in the cold, like there's all types of different, you know, macronutrients that you should use for different things. But if it's a long run, for example, I will take in anywhere from 70 to 120 calories every 30 minutes if it's over 90 minutes. And, um, if it's, over two hours, I will eat something before and then I will also take in 70 to 120 calories every 30 minutes. Um, a lot of people, I, when I was a younger triathlete, I used the mile markers during runs. So every mile I would make sure to get 100 calories in. So that's mm-hmm. something that's maybe helpful for people. And I also um, set a timer on my watch. So if you have a Garmin or I think probably, I, I've always used Garmin's. I'm not really sure about Apple watches or, or Wahoo watches. I know they just came out with one. Um, but there's actually a way to set a timer on your watch. So every 30 minutes, a timer goes off on my watch during my bike rides and runs. And that's my fueling timer um, as well as a hydration timer. Because otherwise, you know, I'll go an hour and 20 minutes and I'll realize I've not drank anything or eaten a single thing. Um, so yeah. that would be my recommendation. And then in terms of what you're taking in, like I said, the quick energy is really good um, for the for the every 30 minutes just because that is something you're going to feel pretty quickly. That's also mm. great for if you do make the mistake of not taking in fuel and you did bonk, taking something in like a banana, a date, plant bites, like those things that are really, really quick burning. Um, but if it's a really long run, then eating something beforehand that's got like some fat in it, some starches, and then even adding those things during your run is going to set you up for success for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, I love the timer idea. Uh, I'd take a similar approach. You know, I'm mostly focused on time, um, instead of miles. And, and part of that is, you know, just the inconsistency of paces on, on trails and stuff like that. Um, and then I also do, I also have like rules during a race uh, you know it's, if, if it's a trail race or an ultra marathon and there's say an aid station every five miles five to six miles um you know i have rules about like how much water or um or fuel i want to like take be between aid stations so that you know i'm not forgetting about it until i roll into the next aid station and realize i didn't drink any of this water and yeah. i didn't eat anything and now all of a sudden i'm you know two hours later i'm, I'm behind on on what i need yeah. And I think the best thing that people can do is creating a schedule. Yeah, I actually, when I first was developing a fueling schedule for myself, would literally like write it in notes in my phone, like <laughs> what my schedule was. And then I, if I didn't do it, like I would look at that workout. And if you start comparing workouts versus like the ones that you fuel and the ones that you don't, I use training peaks for an app. Some people mm-hmm. use Strava a lot. I will literally like put in my comments like, okay, I've had a banana peanut butter toast before this workout. And then I, I fueled, you know, once in the middle of the bike ride or something. And then I'll look at the next weekend's long ride and you can see differences. It's, it's really interesting. I'm like a data freak and I love looking at yeah. all the numbers. Um, so if people like that, I think a lot of people who are training and, you know, at, at, for these types of things get kind of obsessed with the numbers, Geeked but that's, out. that's yeah. a way to really, <laughs> really look at it is it's interesting because you know, like if I'm losing power on the bike halfway through my ride and the weekend before I wasn't, you can probably pinpoint the reason. Yep. Love it. All right. Let's move on to the third common mistake for endurance athletes, and that is failing to hydrate. Yeah. So this one is, there's really not that much to say about it. <laughs> um, like, obviously you guys, you need to hydrate if you're training, you're, you're losing 
sweat a lot more than a regular person is. And mm-hmm. I don't think any, you're hydrating right now. I should probably mm. hydrate. Um, I don't even know no, if I'm just talking about it. Maybe sometimes thirsty. I'll get to like, it's nine 30 here. Sometimes I'll get to nine 30 and I'm like, wow, I've only drinking coffee today. It's really bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So if, if you're, you know, made your body's made up of water, like we all know that there's not really much to say about this one, but if you're not hydrating throughout that workout, you're going to have effects and you're going to, it's the same, it's the same feeling as fueling. Like I, I bonk from lack of hydration all the time or, or if I start a workout and I'm just feeling kind of like slow or I'm swimming and I'm like swimming through butter or something like that. It's just, it's usually I can chalk that up to the fact that I drank almost no water the next day. Um, this weekend I was skiing all weekend and I, I never drink water when I'm skiing ever because it's just, you know, it freezes or it's not convenient and it's just difficult and it's almost impossible to hydrate. So today I'm actually purposefully not working out at all because I know that I'm super dehydrated from the weekend and nothing is going to be productive at all. And people don't really understand that if you're doing a workout where you're completely tired, your body's not ready, it's just really inflamed, doesn't have a lot of, doesn't have a lot of ability to hit that next session it's actually really not going to be productive at all for your training. So even though I had workouts scheduled today, I'm just skipping them because I know that they're just going to be really unproductive. Yep. Love it. I think, uh, I agree hundred percent. Have you, have you ever done one of those? Um, like I think, I think it's called a sweat test. Yes. Yeah, I have done one. So I actually, those are really, really interesting and I have Uh done a few of them. I have a really low sweat rate. Hmm. which is interesting. Um, so I actually need to hydrate less during workouts than a lot of people do. I think I was in like the 10% of people with the lowest sweat rate. So I don't actually like sweat that much during a workout. Um, and that actually is directly associated with not eating enough salt in my food. I actually found this is a whole nother conversation, but, um, Hmm. I, my, the person that was doing my sweat test said that I would sweat more if I had a little more salt and electrolytes, like in my day-to-day food. Um, and he was like, it's not necessarily a problem that you don't sweat that much, but usually sweat is a really good indicator of when you should hydrate during a workout. So oftentimes athletes who don't sweat a lot are dehydrated because they're not feeling like they need water. Hmm. If that makes sense. Interesting. So, yeah. Have you done one? I have. I'm trying to remember how it works. Uh, it's been probably eight years since I've done one. Um, and, uh, I think it, like you weighed yourself before your workout, right. And then you, um, I can't remember if there's a certain length of time, an hour maybe or something, um, like a tough workout. And then you basically just weigh yourself afterwards. And and if you're not taking anything in, then the, then the kind of understanding is that the, what you've lost is mostly water weight. And so you can see how much you've, you've lost, um, in weight. And then you can calculate like how much water that is and that's how much you should be fueling per or hydrating with per hour um yeah and i i like i remember when i did that i got super meticulous about all my hydration you know needs and everything like that but you know there's just so much variability depending on the weather and the you know this the intensity of the workout and all that stuff like that so it's not something i I pay that much to, to that closely anymore but hydrating is just critical it's super important and you should um you know, even on like shorter runs, like there's no shame in carrying a water bottle or having a little bit of water with you so that you can kind of maintain that level of hydration. And that and that's partly, you know, so that you can be comfortable throughout the run, but also then you just don't aren't like super dehydrated and having to catch up for the next few hours afterwards. 
Yeah, I actually um, will, after a longer workout, I will always do a smoothie that no, doesn't necessarily have a lot in it. It's just got a lot of water in it, and mm-hmm. I'll do like a ton of berries in there, and I'll do coconut water in it. And if I have that smoothie, and it's usually an entire blender full, and I'll drink the whole thing. If I if I drink that after I work out, I'm super hydrated for sure, on top of the water that I'll drink throughout the day. But that helps a ton with getting the water in because I think it's it's really hard, especially if you're spending you know half your day on a weekend working out. It's hard. It's really hard to stay hydrated. I think it's one of the more challenging yeah. things about training. So getting those smoothies in that are like 80% water is a great tip. Definitely. Especially when you're hitting the club like I am every night, you know, before my workout. So <laughs> yeah, <like>. for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, nope. <laughs> I think I was in bed at like 8.45 last night. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, that actually, you know, the smoothie after the workout is the perfect segue into the next uh, and fourth and final common mistake, and that is not refueling after a workout. Yes. So this is really kind of building off of all of the other things that we've talked about. Um, it will feel the same way as if you don't fuel throughout a workout. If you're not refueling after a workout, the next workout might feel really, really bad. Same same type of thing as if you don't hydrate that day. Um, and you also will likely be really, really hungry later in the day. So let's say you go out for, you know, you have an hour run and a 30 minute lift or something like that. Um, it's, it's only an hour and 30 minutes of working out. Maybe if you're a intense person, that's not a typical day. You're used to longer sessions. If you don't eat afterwards or, and it's not necessarily like you need to eat 30 minutes after there's definitely some people in science that believe that sort of thing. I'm not necessarily one of those people. I think that it's okay. Like if you, I I don't really think nutrition is an emergency. So if you, if you're not refueling immediately after the workout, especially during your base phase, it's not a huge deal, but don't wait four, five, six hours, you know, don't, don't Mm -hmm. work out at five in the morning and then wait until noon to have your first meal. I think that that can be really challenging on your body and it contributes to that stress. And it also is really unhelpful when you're trying to listen to your body's hunger cues, because all of a sudden, you know, if you're trying to listen to your body's hunger cues during your base phase and making sure you get enough calories, like you're going to overeat pretty quickly. And no one, no one wants to do that or feel that way. And it's, it's hard to kind of manage that when you're waiting hours and hours after a workout, your body's just kind of like breaking into those fat stores, getting rid of the glycogen stores. And it doesn't often set people up for the best week of training. Yeah. Yeah. My kind of rule of thumb, I, you know, I, I agree that, um, you know, I mean, while there is science and there is kind of guidelines for when you should be taking it in, you know, I just, I tend to kind of have a more laid back approach, but, but my, my general approach is, um, you know, within say a half an hour of, of the workout, I will have something like a smoothie, yeah. um, a, a bagel with some nut butter, um, you know, a banana, even a banana or yeah. two, um, you know, just, just a little bit of something with, you know, shortly after the workout. And then that kind of, um, you know, jump starts the recovery a little bit, but also kind of buys you more time to then be able to take a shower and, right. you know, hang out with the kids or, run some errands or whatever you got to do before you can have like that full meal. Right. Um, And it doesn't need to be a full meal immediately. Like that's the thing is it can be something small, especially because I, I have this problem. I think a lot of people do. I'm not often that hungry right when I finish a workout, if I fueled properly and did everything right. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm often just like, my appetite suppressed. Yesterday I, I went skinning and I was skinning up a mountain all day long and I, I was I probably burned something ridiculous. You know, I was in the freezing cold too, so I probably burned like 
2,000 to 2,500 calories, I came home and I was not hungry for hours. And But I still ate, you know, like I came home, I knew that I needed to eat something, even though I wasn't hungry at all. I had a smoothie, I had a sandwich, like it doesn't need to be something huge. And then I ate, you know, I ate a bigger meal later on, but, um, exactly what you said, just having something small so that your body's like, okay, thanks for giving me extra calories. Now I can like adjust what I want, you know, have a better solution for, okay, so what do I want for dinner? How much am I going to eat? Um, listening to your body becomes a lot easier if you're refueling. Um, and then, and then there's the recovery aspect. I think that especially as you move into your second and third period of training, if you're doing like a periodization type training period, wow, I said periodization. So I said period (laughs) like 10 times in that sentence. Um, if you're doing a periodization training block, um, I think that when you get to the second and third block, getting that nutrition in right after your workout becomes a lot more important because chances are every single day is going to be a pretty challenging session. And if you're not getting that recovery in, you're going to be a lot more sore. It's going to, you're going to be dehydrated. You're going to have a a harder time just getting the productive training in. Mm -hmm. Yep. Completely agree. Love it. So, so that is the four mistakes. Let's run through them real quick one more time. Um, uh, let me see. Let's see. Trying to lose weight while you're building a base. Um, not f- not taking in fuel early enough or taking in fuel too late. Not failing to hydrate. And uh, and then ref- not refueling after your workout. Yeah. Those are all all mistakes that I have made yeah. uh, many times. And you know I, th- I think you're correct in saying that uh, pretty much every single person who's ever trained for anything has made at least a few of those. Yeah. And honestly, like if I had to wrap it up, I think just fueling, creating a schedule around fueling and then mm-hmm. listening to your hunger cues, if you do those things, like you're going to set yourself up for success. And that's that's as simple as it can be. Yeah. Love it. Great. Well, thanks for coming back on the pod, Izzy. I hope we uh, have you more frequently these yeah. days. We're going to be working a little closer together and yeah. more closely together and, and excited to uh, excited to have come more conversations like this. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. It's fun. Awesome. Well, um, have a wonderful holiday. And uh, again, I don't know exactly when this is going to be published, but if it's before Christmas, then I hope everyone has a great Christmas. If it's after, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas and have a good New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See you, Izzy. Bye.